Okay, let's get this thing started. Okay, so, just uh, immediately, something is wrong. Something is very off. Don't worry, I'm aware too. So, our girl Mealy, otherwise known as Camille, she is... Okay, to be very honest, everyone here, I am bursting at the seams with things that I need to get off of my chest. And honestly, we just could not figure out our schedules. We have... I just... I have so much to say. And I would like to start by saying sorry on behalf of both of us because we really have not put out new content since June, which is despicable and a war crime. But I want you guys to know that we've been thinking about you. We've been interviewing people for you. It just has... We have not had the right amount of time for us to film or record intros to those interviews. So basically, we have these interviews. We have good stuff coming our way. A little spoiler, a little tease is that we have an interview with somebody that tried to keep butterflies um, as a, an art installation and it went very, very wrong. So you're going to have to tune in to hear how it went so wrong and what not to do. And then we also have an interview with someone who went to juvie. So, and, and it's an unexpected turn of events, honestly. So there's a lot, there's a lot coming your guys' way, I promise. Our schedules have just been so crazy. We're both juniors. So like, it's just a crazy time. We both now have lover boys, which we did manifest on this very podcast. So thank you for that. I don't think we've talked to you guys since Camille has now been dating Tommy Nanto, and I just feel so disgusting for taking this privilege away from her and being the first to announce it here on this pod, but she has a BF, and he's the best, and honestly, he's just such a pleasure, and honestly, having boyfriends should not slow this down. If anything, should speed it up. We can just get them on here. So anyway, um, all this is to say... On behalf of both me and Camille, we're very sorry. It won't happen again. We're going to come out with more regular content. I promise it's just such a tall order in times like these. So, okay. I want to address something really quick that I think is just the most precious thing I've ever heard. And then I'll get to um, what I'll be covering in today's pod. So, the first thing in that is just so good is that my dad, he listened to my podcast upon many um, fervent requests. He did listen to my podcast, finally. And not only that, but it was the last thing playing on his phone when he was driving the youths of Sammamish, Washington up into the mountains for a ward youth conference for our church. And they saw that it was the last thing playing on his phone, and it piqued their interest. And so, if anyone here is from the Beaver Lake Ward, and and basically, the end of that story is that they played it over the Bluetooth for the remainder of the drive. Um, five, 12 to 18-year-old boys listening to me and Camille talk. Which is awesome. And honestly, that's like the best thing I've heard in a long time. And I just love to imagine it. And then, when they got to the cabin, the boys were telling the girls about it, and the girls started listening. So, if you're here from the Beaver Lake Ward, I love you, I miss you, I see you, I hear you. And give us a follow, so you can represent yourself on Instagram. We have an Instagram. Follow us if you don't already. I don't really know. I'm sure people know about it, but I don't know. Okay. So, let's get to the meat, the juice... The heart of this episode. I'm going to be going over three main things in my life that I have had major breakthroughs with recently. And I can no longer keep this information to myself. I need a medium with which to express myself. And honestly, I just don't have enough art supplies here in my tiny college house to do it through a visual way. And so here we are. 
And I've already talked to my close friends about this. So honestly, if you're hearing this again, you're welcome. And okay, without further ado, I will be talking about some really exciting things that I've been doing to my room, into the house that I live in and inhabit on a day-to-day basis. I'll be talking about my new experiences in therapy. I've gone to three sessions. My fourth one is next week. And I will be talking about my major. And for those of you who do not know, I'm majoring in applied math. I'm just starting the junior course, so I have lots to say. Oh, I'd also like to say really quick that I have been listening nonstop, nonstop to the bad broadcast by Maddie Murphy. She is Salt Lake City based. She doesn't know me. And that's something that I'll never recover from. I would love for us to be best friends and to meet. So if you guys have any connections with Maddie Murphy, I just want her to know how much I am obsessed with her and I love her. Okay. And then I also have song recommendations at the end because that's also something that's really important to me. And you know, that's what's hard about this episode is that Camille's not here to veto any of this stuff. So I don't know. Not that she would, but you know, it's, it's my time, I guess. Here we go. Okay. So my room, I just want to say, okay, let's fast forward. Sorry. This is just a stream of consciousness. Like you are just going to have to bear with me. This might as well just be you watching me talk into like a one-way mirror or whatever it is. That's basically what this is. I do have an outline for the first time I think ever in this podcast history. I have an outline. Uh, Actually, that's not true. Susie Haynes had an outline. Bless you, Susie Haynes. If you're listening to this, I missed you. I could honestly start crying if I thought too much about how long it's been since I last seen you. So let's fast forward to three weeks ago. Camille and I, we actually haven't released an episode since we moved into our bigger room. But big news is that we are now in a room that's probably at least 150% times bigger than our previous room. So will we have to rename the podcast? I don't know. That's to be determined. So anyway, we're in this bigger room, which is lovely. Do not get me wrong. We have new roommates. They're perfect. Awesome. Great time. The vibes in the house are immaculate. (laughs) I hate that sentence, but it's true. Okay. Yet, I find myself in this rut, especially, okay, I think what it was sparked by was me going over and seeing Eleanor Larson's room. Anyone can look up her Instagram right now, Eleanor Larsono. Her room, I think, is one of her most recent posts. It is something to write home about, okay? It is so special. It is such a place of warmth and comfort. And I found myself green with envy, okay? And that is nothing against Eleanor. In fact, that is a testament to how tasteful she is and how good her taste is because it's it's incredible. So anyway, I go over there and I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? I live inside the inside of a Claire's and over here at Eleanor's house, I feel like I am in a cathedral of sorts, maybe even a museum. Um, I feel all of a sudden like I've been transported and I'm no longer in Provo, Utah, and I never want to leave. And I definitely don't want to go back to my room, which is really for a Polly Pocket. I'm approaching the mid-morning of my lifetime, and I now am no longer a Polly Pocket. I think my boyfriend Luke would argue otherwise, as he does refer to me as Polly Pocket most of the time. But in a lot of ways, I have grown past that, and I'm more sophisticated, and I want to start representing it in the spaces that I inhabit. And basically, I'll get into the nitty-gritty details of what I did do to my room. To the naked eye, it might not appear um, so much changed, but I'll explain every gruesome detail about all the different things that have changed. But before that, I think that there's a broader thing to be said for changing the spaces around you. I cannot emphasize it enough. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what form it takes. I need you guys to know that one of the most important things that you can do for yourself is start where you 
are the most frequently. And start with the places that you see every day that you wake up to. What's wrong with them if you feel completely content then ignore all of this? But honestly, I would argue that change is always good. And it's always kind of fun to buy yourself a new plant, okay? And I'm not going to apologize for saying that. And you can quote that and you can put it on a little pillow for your new space that you're going to remodel. Okay, and before I forget, I would also like to underline the importance of reinventing yourself in general. For me, this usually looks like making changes to my room or drawing something or like creatively expressing myself in a new way. But I've been asking around for men, it is usually something to do with their hair. But I think that would apply to women too. I just think that that's the primary answer I've been receiving from men is that they shaved their head. But I just want to say that it is there is something to be said for reinventing yourself, okay? I need you guys to stop this right now and watch the scene, the montage in Angus Long's Imperfect Sogging, the Nickelodeon original, where Georgia is reinventing herself. She starts reading Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which I think is maybe a problematic book, but I also don't know anything about that. So I'm just going to say the disclaimer that maybe that's problematic. But whatever, because it's like the early 2000s, okay? She doesn't know. Anyway, she starts reading that book. She paints her room. She tears down all the posters. She feels claustrophobic. And now her new space is more about feeling alive and being mindful. And she does yoga and she dyes her hair. And there is nothing better than a remodeling montage, no matter what that looks like. Try telling me that Sharpay's fabulous adventure when she remodels her tiny little New York apartment into this like pink and green wonderland, that that doesn't give you new life. What I'm trying to say here is that reinventing yourself is no joke. It's fun. It doesn't have to be anything big. It's just... It's just making small changes here and there that make you feel fresh, okay? And another thing I'll say (laughs) is that why has society turned reinventing yourself into something that's, like, kind of only for after breakups or, like, for single people? I, I have, I take very big issue with that. I really just put a lot of value in reinventing yourself, especially in a relationship, because, like, Everyone should be constantly changing. You're not just, like, perfect because you've found a partner. (sighs) Okay. Anyway. And trying to progress. But this takes so many different shapes. And in this situation, I'm talking about changing my room around. Okay. Let's talk about specifics. I took notice of what I loved about Eleanor's room. Do you know what it was? The lamps. Lamps are such a grounding instrument in any room. It's something I've been sleeping on. It's something I'll have to apologize for the rest of my life for not acknowledging sooner. But lamps really make a world of difference. They are warm. They are inviting and they are at varying levels throughout the room. And there is something to be said about levels, people. So get yourself a lamp. There's so many at Savers or Value Village or whatever Goodwill, DI, whatever it is, go find a lamp. And you can even mix and match the lampshades and find which light bulb in the section is the best hue for you and switch things around. And that's maybe illegal, but don't tell them I sent you, but I'm just saying it's so exciting. So now I'm looking as we speak at three new lamps in my room. It's so exciting to me. And another thing that I did was that I noticed that Eleanor had a lot of green and also primary colors. And I think that primary colors are so appealing to the eye for obvious reasons. Like, I mean, that's probably why they're called that, you know? They, like, there's a hierarchy that's, like, unbeknownst to me. It's not like I'm making this up, do you know what I mean? But there's a hierarchy and primary colors are at the top of it. So... I rearranged these little shelves, and also I would like to say a big thank you to Camille Wisnett for being the best roommate that I think exists. Um, You can contest, but I won't listen. She listens, well, I didn't even mean to say listen, but she does listen to everything I have to say, and um, that is honestly a tall order in and of itself, but she also lets me totally 
uproot our room every quarter, basically. And there is so much stuff in here, you guys. This room could have a lot more space real quick if someone normal lived in it. But instead, I am, I'm a bit of a pack rat. And I think she, saw, she says that she is herself as well. So, I mean, I've not noticed that just because um, it's honestly, the amount of things that she has is honestly dwarfed in comparison, which is a scary reality. I'll say it. And I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, so thank you, Camille, for letting me do this. But yes, primary colors. Plants. Plants. I have three plants in this room now. We went from one to three, and it is genuinely changing my life. I love the photosynthesis. I feel as though when the sun comes through a huge window, which is also a really big, I know that's like, you know, you can't really make make windows, but it's a great plus that we have here in this huge room. Um, this big window is awesome. But when the sun touches those leaves, I am given something that I've never had before in terms of rejuvenation. And it's honestly hard to put into words. Okay, and just the last thing that I will note about changing things around in your room is how important it is to minimize where you can. And this is coming from a complete and utter max, whoa, maximalist. So don't worry because <laughs> decluttering to me at least did not look like anything probably most other people would call declutter, but I did take a few things off the wall, okay, and I minimized some things on the shelf, so all of that is really helping, and I just, you know, a, don't underappreciate a blank wall. That's all I have to say about my room. Let's get into therapy. So basically, I will spend the next, mm, I would say, 10 minutes waxing poetic about therapy. And I will not apologize for that. Get yourselves a therapist when and if possible. Okay, that's all. That's the that's the baseline. I have gone to therapy on and off since I was probably 12. And I would say definitely 100% more off than on. But um, I've dabbled. Okay, and that's what's important. And also, you don't need a constant weekly situation. But, you know, at the very least, quarterly. Let's check in on ourselves with professional there to mediate. So that's my promotion for therapy. And the rest will act as a more indirect promotion, hopefully. Okay, so first things first. My therapist, first of all, can do no wrong. And second of all, she has taught me so many important things in our only three sessions. One. Getting rid of imperatives in your vocabulary. I have n truly not been the same since. And, okay, this is no new, new concept. But let's just go over the basics. Imperatives are words like should and need to, must, etc. Instead, let's shift the narrative together as a whole. Let's shift the narrative. Let's start saying what we want to do, what we hope for, what we want to try to make happen. Because at the very core of this principle and maybe suggestion is that none of us are broken. None of us need anything. Nobody needs therapy. People go to therapy voluntarily as a way to try and progress in ways that they've decided they want to. And that's what's so beautiful about it all. And that doesn't just apply to therapy. It applies to anything. Wherever you s could see yourself improving, start to think of that as something that you desire to change in your life. Not that you need to. Not that even when people tell you you need to do something, it's still up to you to make the decision to want to do it. And that decision honestly reclaims the control that is lost when you say you need something. Oh, I'm just, I'm just so stoked about that idea. And like, it's nothing new. I'm sure. I'm sure another therapist has said the same thing. But for some reason, it's all about like when you hear stuff and what point in your life you're at and everything. 
And I was talking to my therapist about something that was really hard for me in a relationship I'm having, etc. And she was like, and I was like, yeah, and I know I need to do this. And she's like, slow down. Who told you that? Who told you you need to do that? And really, nobody had told me that. I decided inside myself that, like, I was going to be a failure if I didn't change this and that about myself. And that takes away my own agency and my own autonomy. And that's one of the only things we have. So it's kind of valuable. And starting to change the way we talk and starting to say, I want to be able to do this and I want to say I've done that and I want to be the kind of person that does this makes me feel like I'm on this journey that I'm dictating. That is so beautiful and encouraging. Honestly, I just, okay, I can't even, I can't continue on because I'll just get so excited. Okay, how we are treated and the way we treat others can be traced back to our family dynamics, okay? That's probably nothing groundbreaking. But what's important about it is that we don't assign value to it. So let's not assign value to like, how we've become the way we are, I guess. We can assign emotions to the way that we were treated or the way we've treated other people, and we can 100% respect and validate the emotions that others and ourselves are feeling. But other than that, it's out of our hands, honestly. And that is honestly so freeing. It's like, yes, this is an emotion I felt, and... I would like to be the kind of person that could move in a direction where I feel it less and there are some steps I think I could take. Other than that, it's all just about kind of retraining our brain from growing up. And there's nothing wrong with the way we were raised. It's just something that we now need to be aware of. Okay. And I maybe like with some more exa- examples, this will make sense because maybe you're just like, what is this? What's all this voodoo that's happening right now? Okay. My family, and I hope that they um, will not mind me saying this. I think in my opinion that me and my siblings were raised with not very many boundaries and that is nobody's fault. That's just kind of how our family was. Everyone knew everything. There was a lot of privacy because nobody asked for it and we just were a very loving environment but also just like yeah there was a ton of oh that's overstepping that and this is personal and etc so or that's not my job or that's it was more just like help where you see you can help and like do what you think you can and do what's asked of you etc this is like I guess maybe personal (laughs) But I just am, I'm divulging in hopes that maybe somebody can relate. So now here I am at 20 years old and I am getting my feelings hurt sometimes when other people have been raised with these boundaries that they've set up for themselves and they've created and I don't have the same boundaries. And so I start to do all these things for people or like do what I think I should, scary word, as a friend or like what I think a friend should do etc and they're not doing the same because they were raised with boundaries or at least along somewhere along the line made boundaries for themselves and so who am I to get frustrated or sad or mad with somebody else that has these boundaries that I just didn't make for myself that's no one's fault and the best I can do is try and form my own boundaries so that I can protect myself and not get as hurt Okay, honestly, who knows if that makes sense, but it's really important to me and it's made a world of difference in my viewpoint already. And I've also, it's not like anything super new either, but it's important to remember you are the number one person in charge of protecting yourself and other people are going to treat you the way that you establish through boundaries. Now, let's get to something heated, something tumultuous within me okay basically I'm gonna treat you guys as I would my usually semester-long global women's studies course but something really sad so as some of you might know I'm minoring in global women's studies if you're at BYU honestly if you're anywhere try it out 
take a course, see what happens. But I love Global Women's Studies. I've always loved all of my classes. They are such a safe, welcoming environment that is so open to all these really healthy and and enlightening conversations. But this semester, ACME, Applied Math, has truly taken over and I am not allowed my refuge that is a Global Women's Studies course. So instead, I'm turning to the only platform I have left (laughs) that isn't completely oversaturated, like my Instagram stories, to rant, okay? And I guess stop the episode here if you are not interested in some feminist ramblings, but we'll call it spade to spade, and that's what it's going to be. Even if you aren't, just try it. Just try it as a little treat because you might find things interesting. You might learn something new. Okay. So this is my experience so far, one and a half months into being a woman in STEM at Brigham Young University. I don't know what factors are contributing to which parts of this story. So I don't know if it's my experience at BYU that's like, the dominating force in all of this, if it's my experience as a woman, if it's my experience in this program, etc. Okay, but here we are, and we're in this intersection, and you guys are all here with me for the next what, however long I choose to talk about this. First of all, I would, I'm going to end, I'm going to start and end on a good note, and my starting good note is that I would like to acknowledge that I'm at a place in my scholastic career that I have never been at before, and I think that that's so And I'll explain why it's so good to me. But it feels so nice because for the past however long I've been in school, what you start when you're like six, so 14, 15 years, I have assigned such value to the grades I get, to the different opportunities I'm allowed, to the et cetera, et cetera, whatever it can be, I've assigned value to it. I've tried to achieve it. I failed. I've succeeded. It's been a wild ride, and here we are, my junior year of college. And for some reason this year, something clicked inside me, and I no longer care as much about my GPA or the actual tangible outcomes because I am so invested in this like righteous desire of learning, and it's honestly epic okay it's epic I I love the different theorems we're learning about I love to get down and dirty with some Cauchy Schwartz inequality okay I just love learning about math and so I'm so excited to be at a place where that's most of the things that I do all day and I'm grateful that I found something that's so exciting to me and I'm allowed the opportunity to study it I also think that the way I'm approaching studying is a lot healthier than it's been in the past. And I feel like I allot enough time ahead of time to be able to balance my life. I have a certain amount of free time that feels acceptable to me. I'm spending the time that I need and want to with, I guess that's the only acceptable way to say need is like when you're, when you actually need something for yourself. Okay. I'll put a disclaimer. I'm spending the acceptable amount of time with... (laughs) What? No, keep going. Don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> Haley just got here. <laughs> Haley was so lonely. Okay, Haley. You can add some commentary where you see fit. Okay. <sighs> Even though Haley's heard me talk about that this maybe four times. So here we are. Um, That's just the kind of friend I am. Okay. So I am at a place where I feel excited and... I have enough time. Speaking of spending time with people I love, Haley and I are maybe even going to watch Phineas and Ferb Halloween episodes just after I'm done with this recording. And I'm going to put away my flashcards for today because I've spent many hours already studying for my test that opens on Friday. And that is a healthy balance for me. And it looks different for everyone, but I just want to establish the fact that I feel good about where I am in school. Regardless... There is some really, really unacceptable behavior going on around me. Let's dive in. Okay. To start, the composition of the major 
is, I would say, mm, 17% girls, women. And in my particular section, which there are three of them, we have a class of mm, 30 people. Not everyone shows up, but I would say there's 30 people. And I am regularly the only women woman in the room, including my two professors. So this doesn't make for a very ideal start, I'll say that, especially given my feelings about women. Um, because I would love to be surrounded by some more female voices, okay? Let's talk about what this means in my day-to-day life. Okay, so from like three weeks before the first midterm that we took on Monday, I started studying because I knew that this is something I wanted to do going into the beginning of the year. I was like, I want to start studying a little bit earlier. I want to take the pressure off my plate and be able to have some evenings free. So if I start earlier, I won't be like binging at the end and and trying to whatever, fit all this stuff in. So I started a little bit earlier, okay? And that seems completely acceptable to me. Do you know who it didn't seem completely acceptable to? The people around me, specifically the men around me. They were astonished. These boys were acting like they had never heard of the concept of reading a little bit, or maybe even reviewing before one of our two midterms, mind you. That is 20% of our grade. And not to say grades are everything, but aside from all of that, this is extremely important material that will be built upon throughout the course of Not only this semester, but next semester, and the semester after that, and the semester after that, and possibly, most likely, even our careers, okay? So yeah, it's a little bit important, and I would like to review as much as possible, and I have the time, so why would I deny myself this opportunity to learn and grow, okay? I don't know either. But they had a lot to say. So, okay. From the beginning, they were like, Sophie, what? Studying is for the weak. These are word for word. Everything I'm about to say is verbatim what I hear in the dark, smelly, very humid room in the middle of the ugly, smelly math building on BYU campus that looks more like a middle school than any middle school I've ever been in. Okay, it doesn't have any windows. There's a construction site surrounding it. Everything is in constant construction. Going to the classes is like listening to what I can only assume Bob the Builder listens to every day. It's a lot of drills. There are a lot of drills. And at this point, I'm like, what other surface area do you have to work on? I don't know. But nevertheless, they persisted. And they keep... They keep building and working and hammering and drilling. And I wish I could say that I've been reaping the rewards of this never-ending work, but I haven't. The carpet that was speckled blue and gray has only been replaced with now striped blue and gray carpet. And I'm I'm not going to stand for that, honestly. The juice is not worth the squeeze. I guess that's just to say this is the environment. I'm setting the scene. I am setting the scene. Okay, so, yes, they would say that studying is for the weak. I hear the, I hear the godforsaken phrase, studying is for the weak, two times a week minimum. What does that even mean? Let's, let's honestly unpack that phrase. Let's stop, because what else are we doing? Let's unpack the phrase. Studying is for the weak. Why? Because they're not strong enough to take the test. Like, I don't want to say raw dog, but I will. (laughs) Because that's who is. We haven't touched on this material in like four weeks. And you're saying that because you're so strong, you don't need to study. And you can just look at that material for the first time ever in the testing center where there's a minimum 400 people in a room the size of like a basketball court. It's disgusting. 
as if that doesn't heighten every anxiety that you've ever had. Okay, whatever. So studying is not for the week, by the way. And if you're out there studying, maybe you're procrastinating studying by listening to this, whatever it is, just know that you're stronger and you are going to be stronger because of it. And you're also going to retain this information and have a richer, fuller experience in your education. Okay, and that's objectively true. So studying is not for the week. Okay, next. There are many people that do not come to class, okay? Which is fine. I don't judge. You can do whatever you want with the education that you're paying for, whatever. But today I heard someone say, why would we go to class? I don't need to see the theorems in the book just written on the board. Oh, yes, I forgot that's how this whole major was set up that the professors just write verbatim what's in the books and don't explain or elaborate or answer any questions. I forgot about that. Honestly, it's crazy that I haven't realized that since I've gone to class every day. (sighs) Class is a place where you can ask the professor. He'll give you homework tips, and I would not use the he pronoun, but that's my only experience, unfortunately, is that I've only had male professors. He will give you the Honestly, very little short of the answers to the homework due the next lecture, okay? Honestly, they come in clutch. (laughs) Forgive my French. But they're honestly doing the most, okay? And any other millennial phrase I could say. Um, okay. So, lectures are not just repeating what is in the book. We go over the really difficult parts of the book. And we skim past the things that weren't as difficult to comprehend, and they also (laughs) answer questions about the tests. And guess who's answering those same questions two hours later in the study room? Me. Because most people did not go to lecture, okay? And I'm kind of tired of it. And honestly, I should gatekeep that information because it's none of their business. Okay. And if they don't want the squeeze, they don't get the juice. (laughs) And I'll stand by that. Then, the day before my midterm, no, the day of my midterm when it first opened, I said, okay, I think I've studied enough. I'm going to go take the midterm now. And my so-called friend, who I'm, by the way, starting an app with, which I can discuss later, said, oh, man, that sucks that you're so, like, I'm sorry you're so anxious about this test. What? When, when, since when did saying that you wanted to get a test over with mean that you're now suddenly plagued with a panic and anxiety that has no cure and all of a sudden I have something wrong with me? Because that's not the reality. Everyone wants to take a test to get it over with. Nobody loves the enduring of the test. Nobody loves the... All that was to say is that I did not give him permission to diagnose me as anxious, okay? And it hurt my feelings because it made me feel like I was other than. When in reality, I'm being a good student, my professors love me, I'll even say it here, they all know my name, and guess whose names they don't know? All the guys that I study with. Because they don't ask questions or go to office hours. Next! Honestly, I would say, so we have two homework sets due every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and these homework sets contain probably five to ten questions each, so that's ten to twenty questions, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and within each of these homework sets, there's always kind of a one, like, doozy of a problem, like, it's long, it's hard, it's not fun, and we all endure it together because that's what a cohort, cohort is for, but no, my study group decides and very a lot of other guys around me, I know people are going to be like, why don't you just change study groups? But it's not, it's not unique to these ones. They are so prideful that they think that they decide to just stop answering the question halfway because it's a quote-unquote stupid question that shouldn't have been asked. Really? You think that you're smarter than the five professors that got together to write this book? You think that. Okay, that's interesting. And you think that this question won't help you in your progression 
within this major that you signed up for and are paying for. That's also interesting. Okay. So they just plain leave it blank. And they say, yeah, I'll leave that for the graders to figure out. Oh, good. The poor underpaid graders that are working for $9 an hour and have children because they go to BYU and are 21 with three children. Okay. Yeah, they deserve to grade the rest of your stupid homework that is written in chicken scratch. Honestly, is this too intense? I don't care. I don't care. You can, you, they would have stopped by now if they thought it was too intense. Okay. Another thing. This same guy that I'm starting my app with, he wrote all of his code for all of our labs in the summer, which is totally fine and a valid thing to do. And now he has a lot of free time for his other ventures. So good for him. The thing that isn't good for him is that every time we get the labs graded, he gets like five points off for not commenting his code. So commenting your code basically just means that you're describing what you're doing in the functions and like you write little comments off to the side to describe which process is which. And it's very helpful and it helps the graders and it honestly helps you to remember how to code. So it's useful. And Everyone is kidding. Anyone is kidding themselves if they think you're not going to have to comment your code when you are collaborating with a large group of people as a software engineer, which you will have to comment your code, so whatever. He says, no, I'm not going to comment my code because my code is written so... These are word for word his feelings. That his code is written so cleanly and perfectly that anyone that cannot decipher what is happening does not deserve to look at a computer screen. I'll leave that one right where it is. Honestly, I don't feel like going into that anymore because... Okay. Today, okay, they are very stoked on the idea of going as fast as you can and getting things completely done. They set new and impossible standards for us each day. They're like, let's get this homework section out in 20 minutes. I'm like, have you not been here for the past month and a half? Our homework takes us on average two hours per section. So I don't think we're going to crank it out no matter how smart you are. You're just going to do it wrong. Okay. But today he had the goal. He went so far as to say, I'm going to time you. No. I'm sorry. No, I think I progressed that when I was seven with my babysitters when I went to go get them water and they said they would time me. Other than that, I'm pretty uninterested in being timed. And I definitely do not need to be timed doing... For the mile run. <laughs> and I definitely do not need to be reminded of my 17-minute mile in fourth grade. I don't need to be reminded of that. And I do not need to be timed when I'm trying to prove theorems that are hundreds of years old for a reason. I do not need to be timed writing those things out. And they always like act so disgusted when my work is so long. They're like, why'd you write so much? I'm like, oh, I don't know, because I'm interested in getting a good grade and trying to figure this out. It's like, have you never gone to school? Okay. The last thing that they did also today is that we all got our scores back for our test. And they decided that it would be a good idea for them all to open it in front of each other and, like, compare and what have you. And that's fine. I don't care. I was planning on not looking at my score until later, which is what happened. But their plan for me was much different. They they started saying... Oh, Sophie, one, Sophie got 100%. Yeah, Sophie got 100% because she started studying so early. There's no way she couldn't have gotten 100%. Let me break the news to everyone listening. Sophie did not get 100%. And there is a lot of ways Sophie did not get 100%. But aside from that, you think that after you set that expectation for me and make me feel so stupid for studying in the way that I did and working as hard as I did, that I'm going to feel comfortable opening my score for the first time in front of you guys? And they went on for like 10 minutes making me feel bad about not opening it in front of them until I finally said something and I spoke up for myself and I said, oh, remember when you said that I 
was so anxious about taking the test. Actually, that hurt my feelings. And you guys have made me feel so stupid for studying for the past three weeks. And now you expect me to open my score in front of you? Yeah, right. Dream on. And then they were silent. And honestly, I left the room and I didn't see them again. And I haven't seen them since. So hopefully they're changed and they come back as new men. Now I would like to end on some pros. One pro. Multiple people in the program call me Queen Sophie. Okay? (laughs) And I'm not going to minimize this. And I won't let anyone minimize this because this is really precious and important to me. And do you know why they call me Queen Sophie? Oh, that would be because I wrote it on every page of my textbook without knowing. I subconsciously wrote that on the first 15 pages of my textbook. And I will not, I won't, I'm not going to speak to that, honestly. I think you guys can draw your own conclusions on, like, the state of my mental well-being in the first couple of weeks of school. But I'm grateful for what it produced because those few, those proud, they're an important bunch, okay? And they're honestly keeping me, keeping me afloat. And something I'll say is that the, (laughs) one last thing, is that the girls in the program, and this is really sad, honestly. I hope nobody... I'm going to block everyone from my Instagram so that nobody can access this confidential material. But they... Not all of them. This is a generalization. But, like, the conversations I have heard, they're very submissive. And they definitely defer to the men. And I'm like, that's not what we're here for. Like, we're here and we're given this opportunity to be such a minority to, like, make a difference and be able to res- represent women in a unique way. And that's what you're choosing to do with it? Doesn't sit right. Does not sit right. So I'll update you guys in the future when I find new friends. But for now, I do have to spend the next foreseeable future with the same guy that called me anxious. And wanted to tie me today. Um, Because one last thing that's exciting is that we are working on an app for our Spotify application. And it's going to be really exciting. Hopefully it will be a social media of sorts where you can post a picture of your outfit and the algorithm will recommend a song based on your most recently listened to and most frequently listened to songs from your Spotify library and match it to the mood of the photo of your outfit. And you can choose to have people see your outfits or not, but it's just a special place to keep them and it's kind of like a little log and it's also great for music which is my last topic. I would like to recommend the song That Funny Feeling by Phoebe Bridgers, written by Bo Burnham, performed by Phoebe Bridgers, which, if that's not the love child of our century, I'm not sure what is. And honestly, probably most people listening to this have heard it, but if you haven't, please do yourself a favor. And I'm going to recommend one more song because I just... I just think that one was so obvious, but I will shout out Morgan Bronson because she's the light of my life and she put this on her story and that's how I found out about it. Um, And then lastly, I would like to suggest the song Being Around by The Slaps because it's so fun. (sighs) Okay, that's enough for my song suggestions. I forgot. I know I keep saying that I'm winding down and I really am, but this is the very last thing I will say is that today I had such a magical moment. Okay, I was leaving the Talmadge, which is the ugly smelly math building aforementioned, and I was in a fury. I was in a little, I was a little bit feeling a little bit feisty. I was feeling a little bit worked up because of, obviously, because of obvious reasons, because most of the things that I just talked about literally happened today. So I was upset and I was walking out And then I realized it was raining and I had not brought a hood. And if you've seen me in the past two days, my hair is beautifully blown out and straightened, which does not happen very often. I would say probably once a quarter. And it feels beautiful. It feels magical. And I feel awesome. That isn't to say I don't love my natural curls, but whatever. It's nice to have a change a little bit. You know, full circle. We're coming full circle. A little bit of that change I was talking about. Anyway, my hair 
could not get wet. I knew this going into the day. And I said, if I leave campus and it ends up being raining, I'm just going to hold my coat above my head. And that is exactly what I did. I looked like Big Bird because the coat was this rather large Anya at Russian Dictator. If you're listening, it's obviously your coat. I wear it way so frequently. I'm so sorry. But it's a yellow puffer and it's pretty big and it takes up a lot of real estate. And I was wearing these pretty tall yellow and green shoes. And I was I was probably clocking in at around 6'2", walking with this like huge puffer over my head so that nobody could even see my face. And I was downright giddy. I was giggling left and right because I was imagining people 100%. If anyone that knew me saw me, they would know it's me. It's unmistakable. First of all, my backpack draws attention to itself. Second of all, I wear those shoes like nobody's business. And third of all, I am so tall. It's inescapable. I cannot hide. I dress like a walking pride parade. And I guess I just thought it was funny thinking about people seeing me and knowing it was me or people seeing me and not knowing it was me because it still was a sight to behold. I will post a picture of a picture that I took in a reflection of the life science building. But I guess this is to say that even when you're upset, you can have little moments that kind of just make you giggle. And it was so magical to me because I genuinely could not help but laugh at myself, even though I had come from a place that was really honestly kind of sad and upset and angry. But out there in the rain, I was just the same as everyone else. And I was humbled and it was funny and I'm grateful for it. And my new roommate, I probably scared her walking in the door because she was like, what is happening? Because you could not really see my face. And that's beautiful. And now the coat is lying on our couch to dry. So this is to say, dance in the rain, giggle in the rain, and um, take down the patriarchy, honestly. (laughs) Haley, any last words? All right. (laughs) Clearly, I've worn everyone in this room out, and I will be signing off. Stay really, really huge. I can't express it enough. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk into my phone for the last hour. Thank you.